Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox, and I am Josh. I am Jimmy. And we are excited to have on the show Dana Bowman. Dana, thanks so much for joining us. You guys, thanks for having me. Dana is a blogger. Uh, She's a mom, teacher, speaker, as well as author. And her latest book that actually was released last week is entitled How to Be Perfect Like Me. Dana, tell us about the book. Well, it's basically chronicles how I'm perfect, and I decided to write a book. Per- oh, that is so great to give us like a leg up on being perfect like you. Exactly. I wanted to impart my wisdom. Ah, oh, that's so great. Um, no, it, it, it's a memoir that kind of <clears throat> it follows up my first book, and it talks about my recovery um, process that I'm going through uh, for alcoholism um, in the second book imperfect, I uh, discussed my relapse and how basically um, perfectionism and control kind of slapped me upside the head and continues to do so. And so therefore, I decided to write about it and share it with uh, the masses. (laughs) Yeah. And you mentioned the relapse being the best thing that ever happened to you. Oh, geez. Yeah. And and I hate to say that, you know, with so blithely in the sense that I don't want people to hear this and go, oh, well, therefore. I should do that. But but at the same time, um, I kind of look at my recovery initially as, you know, I was learning the ropes. And then somewhere along the way, I started to think, I've got this. And that's very common mm-hmm. for people in recovery to sort of mm-hmm. get that place where they stop paying attention to uh, some of the really important tools that they have. And I've got this and I've got the control of it. And it's all me, me, me was something that was happening. The relapse took me <clears throat> took me down to my knees again and and basically taught me surrender truly what surrender is all about and so it was really hard this book was tough um, but it was also extremely necessary to my recovery looking back on your relapse because I guess anyone in recovery that's the boogeyman that is the thing that is the scariest it just hangs out there oh my gosh now you know kind of Monday morning quarterback looking now being from Kansas I know that when I bring up quarterback, that's not always a a good thing. No, uh, because that's a shame. Even though Kansas State has like whooped us so bad, like I can't even make Kansas football jokes. I anymore. wish my husband was here now because he <laughs> let me for have a it. long time. Is he a big Wildcat fan? Oh my gosh, he's he went to K State, and this whole podcast would just take a hard veer into like purple. <laughs> <laughs> okay, forget the whole book thing. Let's talk about yes. <laughs> my I'm from K I went to KU so I'm a Jayhawk so we are a house divided but yeah let's let's not even go there because all right okay but he would we be won't. so proud right now he'd be so proud <laughs> I guess so <laughs> all right so when you're when you're in recovery and you and you think about it and you dread relapse now that you can look back upon that experience what were some red flags that were present 
You know, you say, oh, I'm not paying attention to the little thing. Well, what were the little things now that you can look back and say, wow, I was ooching close and I didn't even know it? Exactly. Um, that's a good question. Um, some of the really basic ones are, for me, I needed to be in my meetings and my recovery group. And mm-hmm. um, the relapse occurred over the holidays. And I think I devote an entire chapter to moms and the holidays and how we beat ourselves into the ground with trying to yes. make it, quote, the perfect Christmas. Yes. Um, and so I got myself away from meetings. I started getting into expectation land, which mm-hmm. is, you know, I want this to be, it's a wonderful life. Plus, um, oh, I can't think of any other happy Christmas movies right now. But, but there's a lot of them. I know, anything. You know, I, I just really got myself into this expectation of layering on the perfect um, family Christmas. And you can kind of substitute anything. It doesn't have to be Christmas. You can, especially mm-hmm. from the mom perspective, you can really start to layer on expectations about how you think your family should be. And... So that was happening. I wasn't going to meetings as much. And then on top of that, I started to feel guilty about that. So I felt I knew deep down that you should be doing this and you're not. And for me, guilt and shame um, yeah. are kind of intertwined. And, and I allowed that to fester. And, and for me, that sort of just sort of hunkered down in my soul. And I started to feel guilty. But for me, guilt needed to be swatted away like mm. a fly. And what's the best way to do that? Numb out. And then you know, it just kind of took me to the next step, into the next level. And it yeah. just slowly morphed into that. So why do you think that alcoholism, and and here's the thing, you know, it's, you know, back in the day, if you were believers, you know, oh, you just didn't drink at all. And, you know, now it's, you know, drinking is, is much more palatable within the church. Churches meet in bars. You know, they, it's, you know, uh, you know, bros brew in Bibles, you know, they get together. And so Did you just make it's that the up. Hipsters. It's the hipsters. It, it, is, the it hipsters. is the hipsters. Oh, anything we can blame on hipsters. I am all for <laughs> But why do you think that, why do you think alcoholism is impacting just middle-class young moms probably more than ever before? Well, I think you kind of pegged it too. It has become a lot more palatable. Social media has run with it. You know, mom's wine time, mommy's play date, um, mommy needs vodka, it's mommy's time for wine. Those, If you look on Facebook and you just search wine, there's hundreds and hundreds of moms and wine groups out there. And mm-hmm. and so I don't take it all on social media, but we did kind of, I came into this, um, my addiction really took off right around the same time that for me, social media started posting like all this stuff about it and making mm-hmm. it okay. Mm-hmm. Kind of tongue in cheek. Almost expected. Funny. Yeah. Yes. You have to have this because, you know, parenting is so hard and you're, you're a mom. You need that end of the day cocktail. And, and it really helped me out at the time. I'm like, woohoo, like it's not bad to drink. And I am a Christian and I go to church, but look at these memes. My friends are posting them. They go to church. Mm-hmm. So therefore mm-hmm. it's gotta be okay. And I, I do think that the the drinking culture we have now has really kind of exploded. Um, you know, and I, I mean, this beer ads have been doing this for ages where they have the young, virile, happy people all climbing a mountain and then having a beer at the end. Like, that's what you want. Climb a mountain. Is a- I mean, that's my every weekend. Yeah. If we just had a mountain around Austin, that would be, <laughs> that'd be Josh's. Exactly. Weekend. 
and you carry your bottles of beer up there, and then you drink them, and you're yes. happy, and life is thrilling and wonderful. But but if you pay attention to that stuff, it is everywhere. It's I mean, vodka ads, all these ads about how the life that we lead is not enough until we have it accelerated and or accessorized by a really good drink. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like that's hard to combat. And it's also for somebody who is struggling with drinking, it is a huge yes, like yeah. mm-hmm. a constant struggle. And plus, mm-hmm. I keep mentioning social media and like TV and screens because I'm a TV addict myself. But if you if you ever watch TV or movies, holy cannoli, I just watched Incredibles 2 with my kids. They drink in that movie constantly. Like they're drinking scotch and it's incredible too. Are you kidding me? Like what? In fact, I bet if they had a cannoli, it would be full of alcohol. <laughs> Speaking of holy cannoli. Holy cannoli. Yes. Exactly. They're pouring alcohol in the holes in the cannoli. But you make a really good point just about the the pervasiveness. Even a children's cartoon, you can't get away from it. I know. And I, I got all mad at the movie theater and started, you know, muttering, and then then Charlie's like, mommy, it's the alcohol. (laughs) He he refers to it as the alcohol. Did you drink the alcohol? I'm like, yep, there's the alcohol. It's on the screen, and we're at a kid's movie, for Pete's sake. So particularly within the Christian community, and this is not necessarily just specifically for, for women, but men too, within the Christian community, I mean, the answer can't be prohibition, although at some point, for some folks, it is. It is, yeah. But church wide, what do you feel like is is the best solution to that? I think that, and I just wrote about this, um, I write for a couple of Christian magazines, and one article that I just wrote about was about my relapse, and I tried to tell them, look, this is something that's happening, okay? We, When I first got sober, I did tell my church, and everyone gathered around, and they loved on me, or like, hey, Dana, you're so awesome, you're like our token alcoholic, we're so glad we have you. Um, now we can ask you every question we ever have. About alcoholism, but then, but then it was, and then go out for a drink, and you're done. Like you realize, you came out of the closet. You told us you're an alcoholic, and now you're done, right? Like, mm-hmm. yay! And and so when the relapse happened, I could not tell them because I felt like, oh, oh my gosh, yeah. you know, I I screwed up, and then I came Absolutely. forward, but now I can't tell them I did it again. Like total oh. fail, and and so what I as I processed through this and wrote that article, which was going to come out to that church because everybody in my church reads that one magazine. So of course they were all going to find out. But I, I basically said, we just need to be talking about this. Like, I wish we could get it out there. I wish we could, um, I don't know, have a, I mean, do you see there's, there's 50 million mom conferences for Christian moms and, and just Christians out there, there's, mm-hmm. there's a tons of them. There's one every weekend. There's a conference somewhere. But do they have one for people who are dealing with addiction and the church and Christianity? I don't see those that often. I, I really don't. And I, I, I mean, that's just a little example, but I think that we just need to be talking about it a lot. And unfortunately, that means probably me. Like, I've got to start talking about it and yeah. say, I relapsed and here's why. And I am a Christian, but I screwed up. I'm a Christian. I'm an alcoholic. And it's, it's still to some people, they're like, how can you love Jesus and drink too much? How I'm like, well, how can you love Jesus and do all the other stuff that we screw up and do, you know? When I think of, you know, when 
Paul was talking to the church at Corinth about the meat sacrifice to idols, and he said, hey, you know, the kingdom of God, it's not made up of whether you, you're not going to get closer to God if you eat it, drink, whatever. However, if you eating this meat that's been sacrificed to an idol, there's nothing wrong with it per se, but if you doing that causes a weaker brother to stumble, then the sin is your lack of love for your brother. To me, okay, alcohol, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, in and of itself, it's nothing. But, you know, a lot of times you'll go to Sunday school parties now and there's, you know, a cash bar. And at, at what, and, and we're sort of flaunting our freedom. I think there was a day where, oh, of course, you could never, never do that. Oh, my gosh, we're so liberal and we're just so with it. We can do this now. But we're also turning our backs on our brothers and sisters who that is an enormous stumbling block. Yeah, we're playing with fire, I feel like. I, I, this is a substance, yes, and in, in itself, it's an inanimate object, but it can, it changes your, um, it, it, when you ingest it, it can change your thought patterns, it can block you from the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, it can do all sorts of stuff, and it, it is not something to be messed with, in my opinion, and actually, mm-hmm. I just was talking about this on another, I I was talking to um, a Christian woman who has a podcast, and she's she basically got me in a corner and said, okay, I'm going to ask it. She said, should Christians drink? Yes or no? And I was like, I don't know. I, I, I can't answer that question right here. It's too nuanced. There's sure. Layers. And, and I said, but I will tell you this. If you're putting that stuff inside of you because you have a motive behind it, because it's an ulterior motive to help you feel better or feel comfortable or because you're depressed or sad or anxious, there's some sort of ulterior motive, then that's not okay. And I have to say that in today's world that's so stressful and, and mired with issues, I do think that most of the time when we drink nowadays, it has some sort of string attached. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yep, absolutely. I don't know. Back, it's... back when Jesus drank, I mean, I think he talks about wine and he drank and he partied and and went from place to place and they had festivals and, you know, they, uh, that's the argument I get. Well, Jesus drank wine. I'm like, yeah, but... of the culture back then didn't have to deal with depression and anxiety like they do now. I mean, unless I'm wrong, I could be wrong. It was a tough life back then, but I think we have a society now that is riddled with mental health problems, and I don't think alcohol is a good addition to that. Sure. So I guess you could say I'm kind of a teetotaler now, but I, I try not to... You know, okay. And then the other thing is whenever my Christian friends start to talk about this, there's always shame. They always say, well, and then they'll kind of hush their voice and whisper, well, I, I drink every once in a while. Like it's this, this horrible thing. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Why sure. did your voice get all quiet and whispery? Is there something attached to that? You know? In the book, you talk about low volume feelings. First of all, describe those and and describe kind of then explain why, you know, there's a huge upside for living with low volume feelings. <laughs> yes. I talk about my marriage, like <laughs> my poor husband. I was going to ask what your husband thought about that whole concept. <laughs> uh, we don't get too excited. Of lower expectations. I think he'd rather it be that way as opposed to the crazy ups and downs that data offers go. him at other times. So. Um, he's all about low volume, really. Uh, he's an engineer, so he's very like <laughs> just practical and you know stuff like that. So low volume is his jam. Um, but anyhow, the the point was that you know we are always kind of looking for going for the gusto in life and quote what I call big fun, capital B, 
capital fun. And, or at least that was me. I was always looking for the next thing to look forward to and some big fabulous thing. And, and I really still struggle with that to this day. And what I really would suggest, and again, it all goes back to expectations that we have about this life that we lead. It, it, it really does go better if we try to understand that. I don't know how to paint it without sounding really snarky, but man, turn your feelings down and stop paying so much darn attention to them all the time. They do not yeah, have yeah. to be the most important thing in your life. And I think we take mm -hmm. our feelings and put them up on this big pedestal and say, all hail the fact that I'm feeling irritated right now. And let's go yes. with that. No, your feelings are just feelings. Ignore them. I mean, not yes. all the time, but let's stop giving them so much power, you know? Culturally, I think that us Americans push feelings, but also within the church, I think we can mistake feelings for the Holy Spirit, but that's just an aside. Please continue. Well, I really think, like, the example that I have is with my husband, right? So when we first met each other, it was rainbows and unicorns and, you know, just wonderfulness all the time. I just thought he was the best thing ever and, and he still is the best thing ever but my feelings back then were like at 11 so and i'd always <laughs> have to liken it final tap like it goes to 11 that's where i was with him but now i have you know we're at a nice medium hum most of the time i'm not dipping down into absolutely abhorring the man ever and i'm not up in the top of the mountaintops with him either and if I was, I'd be crazy, to be honest, because I can't handle that kind of uh, roller coaster anymore in my life. So we have a nice, content, kind of boring, normal marriage. And every once in a while, we have a little moment where we look at each other and go, oh, I just think you're so cute, you know, but that's it. And I do feel like, again, I, I want to take it back to like culture and or, um, like TV. We were watching some show the other day, and it's a totally inappropriate show, and it's probably not right for Awesome. Us. Go ahead and tell us what it was. Just us. We won't tell anybody. <laughs> but I will tell you this. They had a lot of sex in that show. Like, it was a married couple, even. And I was like, what is the deal with these people? Like, do, do they not ever need to sleep? And what is going on with the fact that they're <laughs> sitting each other? Like, they just met and are, and are high school kids. Like, I do not really dig that kind of passion in my marriage. I'm exhausted just watching, you know? And so yeah. I kind of looked at Brian and Brian looked at me and we're like, do you want some pie? Yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> I scream with that. Like, we were just really like, wow, these people have a lot of energy and a lot of uh, testosterone. And to me, it's not realistic. It just isn't. I hope that's a good enough example that that I brought in sex on this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our ratings go up anytime someone mentions sex, so that's great. So obviously, your tongue is firmly implanted into your cheek with your title, How to Be Perfect Like Me. You've mentioned several times now expectations. I guess, you know, how can we redefine perfect to be able to then be able to embrace happiness as well as just biblical joy? Yeah, and it, okay. I'll, I'll tell this quick little story. When I was lit, like literally walking down the aisle, I was going to say when I was getting married, I mean like when I was walking down the aisle getting married, my, my dad was going to, you know, walk me down the aisle and he grips my elbow. My dad is also in recovery, by the way. So um, some 50 years now sober, 
And I'll never forget it. He grips my elbow. You know, the music is swelling. I'm in my veil and dress. It's this wonderful moment. He grips my elbow and whispers urgently into my ear, no expectations. Remember that. No expectations. But I'm like, what? I'm about to get married. This is like the most romantic moment of my life. And here you are telling me, don't expect anything from this, you know, or this man. And I have to say, now that I look back on it, I get it. Because every time we layer something with more strings attached and more, oh, I want it to be this way, we set ourselves up for disaster. You know, mm-hmm. it is so fraught with um, life. Life is just life. Like I, I, I say it in the book, children are the stone cold killers of expectations. Like even mm-hmm. just this morning, I told the kids, let's go get donuts for breakfast. That's a treat, right? And they're like, what? Not pancakes? Like... Really? And why can't we just enjoy the thing that that I had mentioned? But no, we've got to layer it up with all these other expectations. And I have found when I'm able to kind of clean, clean my mind, take a breath, get rid of all the layering, get rid of all the other strings that are attached, just being in the now really does have these moments. And I, I call them just these little fluttery moments of of happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. I mean, that is living like that is extremely hard. But thank goodness I have children because they're they're really good instructors on living in the now. So I've kind of watched (laughs) watched them and tried to learn from them. Yeah. Well, listen, this doesn't happen often, but you have now been decided that you're one of our favorite uh, guests ever. Sorry, Dana. Therefore, you're going to be put on the wall of fame slash shame, depending, you know, hold it. Yeah, the music goes on way too Which long. Which means the next time you and your husband are in Austin, Texas, um, that we are taking you to Enchiladas y Mas, and it's on us. Now, you getting to Austin and getting to the restaurant is all on you and your husband. But once you're there, it's on us. And, I mean, Thirsty Thursday, we could do the whole, uh, you know, uh, uh, bottomless margarita night, but I'm thinking, no, we won't do that. We'll do, like, maybe a Wednesday, Friday, something like that. Wednesday Diet Coke, Cokey Day or something? I don't know. <laughs> yes, Coke bottomless night. Diet Coke night. Bottomless I Diet like Coke. It. Woo-hoo! <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for being with us. Dana, thank you so much. Thank right, you. Take care. Momsyblog.com. All right, obviously you need to pick up the book. And the book has more application than just for moms that might struggle with relapse or alcoholism. Mm-hmm. And so How to Be Perfect Like Me is absolutely fantastic. There was one section. Sorry, hold on. Let me get my notes. The decision to stop shopping in bulk was the best form of self-help. Yes, stop going to Costco. <laughs> so it's it, it covers more than just relapse and alcoholism. Yeah. And so you definitely want to pick up the book. Also, she has a, a one previous book that's called Bottled. And again, that's specifically about alcoholism mm-hmm. as well as for moms. But she has a weekly mom blog. And again, it's momsy, and it's M-O-M-S-I-E, momsyblog.com. And so if you like the interview as well as her writings, you can actually read her weekly. There I'm telling you, this book... I, <laughs> Uh, you know, in the in the business, I'd get drummed out for this, but uh, I think of Brene Brown's book, The Gift of Imperfection, and in a way, I would put this right up with it, especially if you're a young believer, young family, you're going to understand completely what she's saying, and the expectations of social media and Instagram and Facebook that just drive the image of perfection. 
is something that we cannot ignore. Great book. I hope you go out and get it. I like when you asked her about her relapse and kind of what led to that. And she said, getting away from meetings and in a, in a non-alcohol world, just away from community. Mm-hmm. And so I the, got this. if alcohol is not your struggle, it's just away from community. You having, know, and I, it's what's your struggle. Because exactly. everyone's got it. So what's your struggle? And anytime in your struggle, you say to yourself, I got this, that's when you know you don't got this. So how she kind of slipped back into relapse, getting away from community, she regained the expectation of perfection, which led to then the guilt and the shame and then the desire to numb. Exactly. The isolation. And yeah. that's going to be something that is a slippery slide no matter what the issue. Uh, yeah. So I thought that those were good words as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. If you want more information about Dana as well as this episode or any other previous episode, it's paradoxpodcast.com. You can also find us on our socials there. We look forward to more interviews next week. Please listen, review, and share. Take care. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com.